0: Freedom House Central Campus, good to be with you guys today, show of hands, how many of you came to Encounter last night? Awesome, awesome, man, a lot of you didn't, if you've never been to Encounter before, let me just tell you, it's a night of worship, um, it's a night where, man, we just get to, more time to just experience God, um, and I always have to catch myself, like last night I was over there just singing, and the thing I love about Encounter is, man, we get a little turned up, right? Right? We, we get a little excited, right? Is that okay in church, get a little happy? And for those of us who are not the greatest singers in the world, man, we can make a joyful noise. I can just sing and nobody can hear me. I love it. And so I'm over there just singing and then I had to, and I think, man, I better dial it back. I got to preach tomorrow. I'm gonna go hoarse. And so if I sound a little sketchy today, it's like, man, I was just going at it last night. But man, it's good sometimes just to let loose and worship God, Amen. So I encourage you, if you've never been before, um, in the next encounter we do, make sure you're here. It's incredible, incredible. My name's Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. Um, If you're new to Freedom House Church, I see some new faces in the house today. Um, We're so glad you're here. And something that is very special, it's very unique about our church, is that although we have multiple campuses, um, we have a live communicator, a pastor bringing God's word instead of on a video, nothing wrong with that, But our pastor's vision is that we're gonna do it live in person, and we do everything as a church, everything we do, we do it as a team. And so I always like to take a moment and give some honor to our senior pastors. Would you give them a hand clap? They don't ask us to do that, but I just, I love their vision that we get to do this together. It's not about one person, one man, one woman, one personality. You know, It's about all of us, and it's about the vision that God has given them. And so, man, we're in an incredible series right now called Poured Out. Man, I'm so pumped up today to jump into God's Word. But before we do that, um, we do have our online campus joining us today. Um, I just want to greet them. We've got people right now tuning in from Puerto Rico Mexico, New Hampshire, Maryland, Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, North Carolina, Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois. You guys give it up for them. We're so glad you're with us today. Excited you're with us, man. We are just touching people all around the world. And so I want to jump into God's word today. Turn your your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter seven. We're going to start reading in verse thirty-seven. This is kind of the key. We're we're in this series right now. Poured out, God pours into us, but then God wants us to pour out into people all around us. And so, this verse is kind of one of our keystone verses for this series. Um, and we're going to jump into this today. I think you're going to see some things in this story. You probably heard this story before, heard the scripture before, but maybe not understood understood the full context of it. And we're going to jump into that today, but Really what I wanna get across today, what I believe God wants to do in our hearts today as Christians, is sometimes I believe as Christians, it's easy to walk in guilt and shame, always feeling like we're not doing enough. Anybody else ever feel like that? And and man, it struck me one day, I was, I, I can't remember where I was, I was here, maybe it was all team or something, and the Lord just kinda dropped this message in my heart about being radical, not weird. Radical, not weird. What does it mean to be radical? We're gonna learn today what it means to be radical, but not weird. And here's the thing. Many of us as Christians live in more guilt after we're saved than before we were saved. We were living in sin, didn't know God, an enemy of God, no faith, no life in God, and then we get saved and we walk around living with guilt and shame all the time like I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I should serve more. I should give more. I should witness more. I should share my faith more. I'm not a good enough Christian. And today, you're gonna walk out of here empowered to not feel that way anymore. Yes. To live a radical life for God. To be a little horse like I am today because you're gonna learn how to live out of this river of living water that's gonna flow out of your heart. Amen? Yes. Amen. Let's read John chapter 7. Verse 37, it says, on the last day, everybody say the last day. The climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. He didn't whisper it. He didn't just elbow somebody and say, hey, if you're thirsty. No, he shouted it out. To everybody, if anybody is thirsty, he can come to me. It says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Isn't that good news today? Man, that's our promise in God. Verse 39, it says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. How many of you know that Jesus was radical? Yeah. Jesus was radical. Everybody say radical. radical. Jesus was radical. And I believe he's calling us to be radical just like he was radical. He wants you to live a radical life. I believe there's only two types of Christians. Only two. two ty- How many? Two. There's only two types of Christians, radical and weird. <laughs> and I don't know about you, I don't want to be weird, right? Nobody wants to be the weirdo. And so we only got two choices. I got to be radical or I'm going to be weird. Now, why should we be radical, not weird? I'm going to give you the whole message right here. If y'all are taking notes, write this down. I'm going to give it to you right here. Number one, The reason we should be radical, not weird, is because Jesus is radical. Nuff said. If Jesus does it, I want to do it. Amen. Man, y'all missed a good opportunity to amen right there. I said, let me repeat it so y'all can hear it. If Jesus did it, I want to do it. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? Man, I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to worship like Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus. I want to minister like Jesus. And so number one, we do it because Jesus is radical. Number two is because we are called to live a questionable life. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to explain it to you in just a minute. I'm called to live a questionable life. And number three... Not being radical makes us weird. You're not, if you're a Christian, man, if you, if you know Jesus and you're not, you're not a little bit radical, something's weird. So not being radical actually makes us weird as a Christian. Now to understand how radical Jesus really was, we have to understand the context of this story. How many of you have heard this verse before about rivers of living water? Man, I've heard this verse for 30 or 40 years. I've heard this verse preached. I've heard this verse read. I've read it myself many, many times. But I never really understood the context of what Jesus was saying and the context of what was happening and just how radical Jesus was really being. Now, first of all, this happened during the Feast of Tabernacles. This holiday For the Jews, in some of your Bibles, it might be translated the Feast of Booths, like a booth or a tent. It's also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And for the Jewish people, this holiday was the highlight of their year. This was their Christmas, okay? This was like fun time. They had some holidays that were a little bit more sober and, you know, somber and, you know, sacrifices and forgiveness and, you know, honoring God. Man, this was a celebration. This is when, just kind of like for us, we come to encounter, and like, you know, sometimes, I mean, we just want to kick our shoes off and just get a little wild and crazy, right? Just celebrate, just have a little fun. Man, the Feast of Tabernacles is when the Jewish people would come together, and it was a celebration of the fall harvest, and it's often considered the inspiration that the early Americans, the Puritans, drew from for our holiday of Thanksgiving, how many love Thanksgiving? If you don't like Thanksgiving, you're weird. Okay, you ain't radical, you're weird. Thanksgiving is of Jesus. Man, you get to eat, come on somebody, right? Mama's cooking, like food everywhere. Man, my, my wife used to get mad at me sometimes because we, we, we first got married, you know, we'd go to my family, then we'd go to her family, then we'd go to my family. Go, and then sometimes I was like, do we have to go to your family this year? And she was like, what do you got against my family? I'm like, I love your family, baby. I love your family. But my family just knows how to cook. <laughs> like my family, I mean, your family cooks fine. But let me tell you, when you meet my mama's side of the family, we, we buy big clothes for a reason, right? <laughs> my uncle, I mean, you know, he, he likes to play Santa Claus sometimes. He can feel that suit out but that man can cook. He can make green beans taste good. And if you can make green beans taste good, I mean, come on, right? I mean, he can cook. And so we celebrate at Thanksgiving. We have fun for the Jews, man, this was their time to cut loose and to have fun. It was also a reminder of how God had provided for his people while they were in the desert for 40 years living in tents. So they had nothing. They had no homes. They had no walled cities. They had no protection. They had to depend on God. They had to depend on the Lord in heaven to send the manna, to feed them, to protect them. And so this was a celebration. And what they do, and many Jews still practice this to this day during the Feast of Tabernacles, Very interesting. If you want to look it up, go to Google. You can see videos of it. What they do is they build a tent. They build a booth onto their house or in their backyard. And many Jews, they do this now. And they'll come out and the kids decorate this booth and they put all kind of colors on it and they, they, they can use one wall of their house, but at least three of the walls have to be uh, kind of makeshift. They just have to put like some, some poles up or something, not you know, not real sturdy. And then they put these palm branches on top. And the rule is you can't totally cover the ceiling because when they eat in the booth or the tabernacle, they wanna be able to look up at night and see the stars and see God's creation. So much fun. And the kids love it. They have a blast. They, and they're not, they're not, you know, the, the Jewish people, sometimes when you read the law, you know, sometimes it could be real strict, you know, kind of legalistic. Wasn't like that at all. Like, they're, they're real chill about it. It's like, no, let's just have fun. Like, what do we have to do? Just have fun. Like, just eat in it once a day have friends over, it's like house parties, like just have them over in your tabernacle and just eat and drink and just have fun and just party. And so that's what the Jews would do. And the pinnacle moment of this eight-day festival was what was called the water ceremony. The priest would go down to the pool of Siloam and he would take this very ornate picture and he would dip it into the water and then he would begin to march back to the temple, to the altar, and what would happen... Is people would begin to follow the priest. And they didn't just walk behind him like, like this, well, like a funeral procession. No, it was a party. So the priest has got the water and he's walking, and people just begin to get behind him. And the people begin to shout, Man, Hosanna! And they begin to sing and they begin to dance and they begin to celebrate and they're waving palm branches and they make this march back to the temple. And they march around the altar. They do this for six days. And then on the seventh day, now we just read back in this story here, verse 37, I had you repeat it. What did it say? It said on the last day, on the climax of the festival. And so that's where we are in this story, on the last day. So on the seventh day, the priest goes down. He gets the water. He pulls it out. They're marching back and all the people are marching behind and they're singing and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're waving their palm branches to God and they're, man. they're just having this party and then instead of one time, they march around the temple and the altar seven times and then on the final march, the priest gets the water and he holds it up and he pours the water out on the altar and this symbolizes God's provision for his people. That he's sending the rain for the new year. That you're not going to die. You're not going to starve. You're not going to do without. No, you're my people and you are going to be blessed. And when the priest would pour out the water, let me tell you something. Have you ever seen like in March Madness when there's this buzzer beater shot and some kid like three, two, and he throws up the shot and it just Boom, it goes in, and everybody goes crazy and loses their mind. You ever seen that before? Like maybe a college football game, and like App State beats Michigan, <laughs> right? And what happens? Everybody runs onto the field, right? They just, the, the security guards just lose control. Like they just can't hold the people back. And what happens? People just lose their mind. "Ah!" And they're like high-fiving people they don't even know. They're pulling the goalpost down. That is what the Jewish people did when that water was poured out. They lost their mind. They just started praising God, just going crazy. That was the moment right here. The priest has dramatically marched around. The people are ready to go crazy. There's a buzz in the air, right? The ball is in the air. They're ready to lose it. And at that very moment, Jesus stands up. And he doesn't whisper. He doesn't elbow somebody. No, he shouts out, if anybody is thirsty, right when the water is gonna be poured out, Their favorite day of the year when they look to the one and only God to provide them with provision. And Jesus just steps in front of the whole thing and says, no, come to me. And I'm not just going to pour water out on you. He says, my father is going to cause water to flow out of you. Out of your heart is going to flow rivers of living water. I'm not just going to meet your need. I'm going to cause you to be the meter of needs in other people's lives. Rivers of living water. How many of you know Jesus was a little bit radical? He tore everything up. And at that moment, man, he was so radical that it caused this, this commotion in the crowd. If you read on. I'm not gonna cover it for the sake of time today, but as you read on in that story, man, people took notice. People began to hit each other. Who is this guy? Who is this man? People said, he must be the Messiah. He must be the one. He's gotta be a prophet. Some of them got mad and said, man, we gotta gotta arrest this guy. This is blasphemy. Go get the guards. The guards said, we've never heard anybody talk like this. We've never heard anybody say words like this man and they said, arrest him. And Jesus goes, hey, what's up? And he just walks right through all of them. The Bible says it wasn't his time yet and so he knew, you can't even lay a hand on me. And so they're saying, arrest him, arrest him. Jesus just walks right through all of them. This is not my time. Isn't Jesus radical? And here's what we get out of this story, this so important For the culture that we live in today. And this will help you when you're trying to minister to people, when you're trying to navigate a divided country, a divided world, angry people. Because as Christians, I believe our heart is to help. Our heart is to love people. Our heart is to reach people. Our heart is to preach the gospel. But how do we do that? Because, man, we want to draw them to Jesus and we don't want to make them angry. But here's the thing you got to know about Jesus the crowd was divided. Some of them said, he's the one, he's the the Messiah. Some of them said, oh, he's a, some of them said, man, he made them angry. I can't accept this message. This man is blasphemy. He didn't bring them together. No, he divided the people. And here's what we gotta know about Jesus. When Jesus is on the scene, he's so radical, he doesn't divide, he separates because he will always put you to a decision. Jesus will always put you to a decision. He's never gonna say, well, Richard ruler, if, if you wanna come follow me, I mean, it'd be cool if you sold all your stuff and gave it to the poor, but if you don't wanna do that, I mean, you don't have to. No, what did he say? He said, sell everything you've got and come follow me. And the young man went away sad. Why? Because he wouldn't trust in Jesus. Our job as Christians is not to make everybody happy. It's not to just be, you know, love and peace and grace all the time. That's, you know, that's our heart. But our job is to bring people to a decision. Your job as a Christian is to make sure that everybody around you encounters the truth of God and you push them to a decision. You bring them to a point of decision. The word radical means very different from the usual or traditional. Extreme. How many of you know Jesus was pretty extreme? This sounds like a pretty good description of a man who claimed to be God, walked on water, raised the dead, suffered and died willingly for his enemy and was then raised from the dead himself. Sounds pretty extreme. Amen? Sounds pretty extreme. So as followers of Jesus, we have to follow his example. The number one reason to be radical, remember, is that Jesus is radical. And so if a Christian isn't radical, that's just plain weird. So how do we do it? I told you today, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you some practical tips. How do we live a life that's radical like Jesus without being weird? And how do we get rid of the guilt? How do we live in this life where rivers of living water can flow out of my belly so I can bring people to a decision? Well, what we have to do is we have to live a questionable life. You have to live the type of life that will make people ask the question, why do you do that? Why do you live like that? Why do you give like that? Why are you thankful like that? Why aren't you more upset right now? We have to live a questionable life. Turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter four. We're gonna start reading in verse two. Colossians four, verse two. This is talking about living a questionable life. Colossians four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now we aren't supposed to be weirdo Christians who have our heads stuck in the sand and we don't know what's going on in the world around us. It's not what God's called us to be. We're not supposed to be skipping around just like, you know, we don't know there's problems in the world. Oh, everything's great. I just love Jesus. Well, what about this? What about that? Oh, no, do I don't care. I just love God. No, he says with an alert mind. So we know there's problems. Our heart is broken by problems in the world around us, but we live with a thankful heart. We live knowing there's a God who's in control. Verse three, it says, Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I am here. In chains, It says we are to pray for opportunities. And Paul asked the believers here to pray so that God would give him opportunities. Now, I don't know about you, if the apostle Paul says, hey, will you pray that God would give me opportunities to share my faith? How many of you know you and me need to be praying for opportunities to share our faith? Apostle Paul did a fair amount of preaching in his day. He stayed in the public eye. He went to the temple. He debated people. He was arrested. He was taken to Rome. Man, if Paul was right in the middle of the action and he said, man, pray that God would give me even more opportunities to share about Jesus. Man, how many of you know you and I should be praying less about God, help me, bless me, fix me, what I need, but we should be praying, God, give me opportunities to share my faith. To pour out as you have poured into me. The number one reason most of us as Christians never have opportunities to share our faith is because we don't ask for them. We don't pray to God and say, God, give me an opportunity. I've heard the stat before and I don't know exactly what it is, but it's it's, it's high. It's like over 90% of Christians in North America have never led one person to Jesus in their entire life. Never once. Never prayed with one person to be saved. And so it's not about you as a believer needing to go out and win 50 people. No, it's about all of us needing to reach a few people. It's about us praying for opportunities to share what God has done in our heart. Man, don't doubt the rivers of living water that are in you. And I was talking to a young man here last night after encounter, and he was like, man, I need some advice. And I said, about what? He said, "I I got this friend and man, he's been asking me for help. And I said, well, what do you need? And he was like, man, I just... I want to make sure I'm telling him right. And I'm doing, and he just began to tell me everything he's been doing. And I said, Hey, you don't need me, <laughs> man. You've been led by the Holy spirit. Like you could have wrote the book. This is perfect. And he's like, why, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm like, dude, you got it. You're doing it. Trust in the Holy spirit. That's in you. The same power of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same Holy spirit that empowers me as I'm up here preaching, empowers Pastor, empowers our praise. You've got the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different, you're not Christian light. You're not a junior Christian. You got the same power. You're preaching the same good news. There is no difference. No difference, verse four. It says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Pray for boldness, pray for wisdom. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Man, live a questionable life. You might not be called to be an evangelist. Most of us are not, and that's okay. But we're all called to be evangelistic. We're all called to share our faith. Living a questionable life requires us to be radical, but not weird. So how can we become a radical church? How do we shout to the world, hey, if you're thirsty, and instead of Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me, As a believer, we're saying, if you're thirsty, come with me because I'm gonna take you to the one who fills me up. I'm gonna take you to the source of the living waters. How do we do that? Well, listen, we made it so easy for you this month. Every month, we have a series resource. And listen, please hear me. If you're new here, I'm not promoting a book. (laughs) We don't make money on books. All the money goes to missions. This book, I got this book, read this book, And man, it has really fired me up because it's so easy to feel that shame. Remember we talked about earlier, I'm not doing enough. I'm not reaching enough. I'm not sharing enough. I'm not, man, this book, it's called Surprise the World, The Five Habits of Highly Missional People. This book gives you a simple method to share the gospel with people around you. And listen, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor You don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. It gives you a simple, simple method to share the gospel. You see, I was talking to my wife lately, uh, recently, and we were talking about sharing our faith. And she was just like, hey, I just wanna make sure, like, if I'm talking to somebody about Jesus, that I could lead them in the prayer. Like, i know exactly kind of what to say. And we were just talking through it. It was like, man, this is a good conversation. You know, we were going to eat dinner somewhere and we were in the car, and we were just talking about this, and what came out of that conversation, for those of you who know my wife, she's always in the back serving. You're probably never gonna see her up here with the microphone. That's just not her deal. She's not, she's not called to that. She doesn't wanna get up front of hundreds of people and preach, but she's always serving. She's always loving on people. She has that heart, and what she said to me was this. She said, I'm not gonna go out on the street corner And preach to everybody. But if someone were to ask, if if a friend, if a a neighbor, if someone were to ask me about my faith, I would tell them. I would share Jesus with them. There's many of you in this room that are like that. You say, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to go out and be an evangelist. I'm not, I don't have that calling on my life. Listen to me. That is okay. You don't have to feel like God is calling you to be something you're, you're not. God doesn't do that. God has called you to be right where you are. So here's what you got to know. She says, well, if someone were to ask me, I would tell them. Many of you in this room would feel the same way. If, they, if somebody asked me, if a neighbor asked me, then I would tell them. Then listen, here's your job. Get them to ask you. That's your job. Get them to ask you. So how do you do it? right here in this book. I'm, I'm, gonna give you the, the, I'm gonna give it to you, but I want you to go get the book and read it because it's amazing. It'll give you a little bit more detail, but the book gives you a simple method. It's called bells. Everybody say bells. You put the bells on. It's just a little acronym. It's easy to remember. But if you can remember this, then you can impact the world. What does it mean? Number one, B. Bless. Can you bless three people every week? Bless three people every week. One of them can't go to your church. One of them needs to be a neighbor, a coworker, somebody who maybe isn't a Christian, doesn't go to church. Bless three people every week and make sure one of them doesn't go to your church. Man, if everybody in this room started doing this, how many people would we reach? How many people could we love on? How many people could we bless? So that's B. The second one, or I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, the second one is E, eat. So I'm gonna bless three people. When I was preaching this last time at Lake Norman, I said, eat three people, and then I had to stop and say, okay, don't eat anybody. <laughs> I said that wrong. Don't eat people. That's not of God. Eat with three people. So eat with three people every week. Eat with three people every week. And here's the thing. One of them can't go to your church. Eat with someone at your job. Take that guy that nobody will hang out with and say, hey man, come grab lunch with me. I just want to get to know you. Because when you bless people, when you break bread with people, you get to know people, they're going to tell you their story. They're going to invite you in. You're going to get relational capital to share Jesus with that person. You're living a questionable life. The L, the first L is listen. Block time each week to listen to the Holy Spirit. Do this in the beginning of your week. We we just read where Paul says, pray for opportunities. The reason sometimes we don't have opportunities is we're not praying for opportunities. Every week, start your week out by praying and saying, Holy Spirit, show me the people that I need to bless. Show me the people that I need to to eat with, to, to break bread with this week, to share your love, to get to know their story, to connect with them, God. The Holy Spirit will guide you to who you need to talk to. He knows in advance who's hurting at your workplace. Who's struggling? Who's dealing with sin, with shame, with hurt, with betrayal? God knows. You might not know, but he will lead you to the right people. The second L is learn. Block time each week to learn Christ. That's a life group. That's personal Bible study. This isn't your daily devotional. No, this is some time block to get in the word. Hey, how would I answer this question? Talk to leaders. Talk to people that you know that can help you and develop your faith. And then the last one, and this is probably... The one that just really grabs me, I love this one, is sent. Journal each week at the end of the week on how God has sent you. Because if you write down at the end of each week, hey, how has God sent me this week, you'll develop a missional mindset. You'll stop seeing yourself as just some... Ho-hum Christian, Why? Well, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not an evangelist. No, no, you're a missionary right where God has put you. You're called to be a missionary on your job. You're called to be a missionary in your family. And we can all adopt these simple habits. The gift of the evangelist isn't to go reach the world, although that's part of it. Hey, thank God for Billy Graham. But the gift of the evangelist, listen, Christianity is not a spectator sport, It's not for you guys to come to church and then Pastor Troy and myself and all the pastoral staff for us to go preach and reach everybody for Jesus. No, that's not why we're here. We're here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Verse 12, their responsibility is to go do all the work. Is that what it says? Their responsibility is to go reach all the people. No, it's not our job. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Our church should grow every week because of you, because you're living a questionable life, because you're blessing people no one else will bless Because you're being led by the Holy Spirit to eat with someone who everyone else rejects, no one else will talk to, but you were there right when they needed some encouragement. The church grows because of the body, because you're doing the work of the ministry. It says, this will continue until we all come in such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You wanna know how not to live with that shame, that guilt, like, oh, I'm never doing enough. I'm not measuring up. He tells you right here. He says, come, unwrap the gift. Your pastors, your leaders are gifts for what purpose? To equip you to go do the work. To take that short little acronym, to go buy this tiny little book. See how small that is? I know some of you, well, some of us don't like to read. We can read this one. This one's a little, right? To go read this little book, learn how to live a questionable life, to be equipped by our pastors and leaders, and then to go out and to bless and to eat with people, to be led by, to develop a missional mindset so that at the end of every week, listen, I guarantee you, at the end of every week, if you're journaling how God has sent you, man, God showed me this person and I had lunch with them this week and and they're coming to church on Sunday and they're, man, they're so fired up. Man, if you did that every single week, would you feel shame and guilt? No, all that would go away. You would come in and listen, man, our church services would go to a whole new level because you'd be bringing people in that you had either led to Jesus or you were bringing here to hear the gospel. You would see so much life change and when we begin to worship on Sunday morning, Come on, man. Something, the roof just gonna lift off this place. You're gonna be so fired up to worship God because you're living out. That river of living water is just flowing out of your heart. And sometimes we come into church and we wonder, well, I don't feel anything. I don't experience anything. I'm so beat down. It's because we're so inward focused Instead of coming in with a missional mindset man God used me this week. If every week you feel like God is using you, you are not going to be down and depressed. You're going to go through problems, you're going to have hardships, you're going Hey, we all go through that in life, but let me tell you, you're going to have a fulfillment. You're going to know those rivers are flowing out of your heart. The last thing not being radical makes us weird. Not being radical, it makes us weird, why? Because if we really believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, that I was an enemy of God and Jesus came despite my sin, despite my rebellion and loved me so much that Jesus Christ died on a cross and then was risen from the dead, if I believe that, and that doesn't cause me to live differently, that doesn't cause me to have a little bit of a radical nature about me, man, something is weird. Something's weird. Man, when you really know Jesus, it's gonna cause, it's gonna have a hunger, a desire in you to live differently. I'm gonna end with this today. Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 15. It says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We are called to live a radical life. We're called to live a lifestyle that looks different from the world. We are called to live that. It says we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Verse 13, it says, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. How do we have that earlier scripture? It said we're alert, but we're thankful. We're alert, but we're thankful. We see the pain, we see the struggle, we see the sin, we see what's happening in our world, but we're so thankful, why? Because we live looking forward to the hope. I'm not focused on this. No, I'm changing this because I've got a hope. I'm propelled through all the darkness around me. Why? Because I've got a hope. I'm looking forward to that hope. It says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. I've got hope because I don't have to stay stuck. No, I can live in victory over sin. It says to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing God good works. Not one foot in, not one foot out. No, I'm totally committed. Whatever God asked me to do, I'm gonna do it. Why? Because I'm totally committed. Christ gave his life for me. Verse 15, it says, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. Why does he say this to Titus, this young pastor? Because as pastors, and I'm sad to see this in our country, Too many Sundays we got pastors just giving, you know, TED Talks with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on top. And I love every one of you. And I'm here to tell you God loves you. And I'm here here to encourage you. And I'm here to tell you that you can walk out of here with no shame, no guilt, with a plan and a purpose and an assurance that uh, rivers of living water will flow out of your heart. But as a pastor, we have to correct We have to call you out of what Paul says here because the Christian life is not a calling to just get Jesus, to come to church on Sunday, and then live any way I want through the week. So if you're living that way, hear me in love, in humility, be rebuked. That's not right. That's weird. If you're a Christian, And you're not living a radical life for Jesus. That's weird. But here's the hope. You can change it right now. Right now, you can make a decision to say, he's right. I don't like it. That might make you mad. Maybe you're watching online today and you say, man, get up out of my business. I'm comfortable where I am. Listen, you can stay there. As a pastor, I have no power to make you do anything. But I will tell you, If you're living a life that's not radical, if you're living a life indulging in sinful pleasures, if you're living a life to please yourself and not God, that's weird. And you need to stop. You need to repent today. You need to turn to God and say, God, I want to live different. I want to live without shame, without guilt, because I'm living a radical life for you. It's not perfection. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But it's a life consumed with purpose with a desire to please the one who gave his life for us. And to me, anything less than that, just plain weird. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that calls us out of where we are. You love us, you forgive us, you comfort us, you empower us, but you love us enough not to leave us where we are. And God, we wanna leave different today. I want to leave different today. I want to be more consistent in sharing my faith, in blessing people around me, God, and and, and going to the Holy Spirit and just not having my head down, God, but being led and being guided by your Holy Spirit to see people around me that are hurting, that need the good news of Jesus Christ, God. I want to live different. So let today be a day, God, where we embrace This challenge, God, to be radical, but not weird. To be extreme in our love, extreme in our faith. God, we call on you now. We need you. Without you, we cannot do it. And we thank you that you're here. You're so faithful. I'm gonna ask you right now, church, everyone, just stand on your feet. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and to close your eyes. And if you're here today and you've never received... Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You don't have to leave this place today alone. You don't have to leave in living in the sins, the, the habits, the just being stuck in life. No, God has something better for you. You've heard the gospel today that Jesus came. He died on a cross for your sin and for mine. All of us in here, we've all sinned. But Jesus came so we could live in relationship with him. And if that's you today, You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to accept Jesus. When Jesus stood up and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. If you're thirsty today, if you don't have these rivers of living water flowing out of your heart, then you don't have to leave here thirsty. Jesus says, come to me. I will fill you. If that's you today, And we just want to say a simple prayer of faith with you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? Lift your hand up. If you're online, you can lift your hand in the chat. There's a button you can click. We have people to pray with you. But if that's you, just lift your hand up right now. We want to say a simple prayer of faith. Amen. I see that hand. See that hand. Amen. I see that hand. Thank you. Amen. Church, let's pray this together. Right now, say, Father, I want to be different. Jesus died for me. He, he bled on that cross to wash away my sins. And I'm going to receive that gift right now by faith. I believe that Jesus rose again. He is Lord and he has the power to change me and to fill me up with rivers of living water. From this day forward, those rivers will flow in Jesus' name, amen.